0: Today, we're thrilled to be joined by Jeremy Enns, who is the CEO of podcast marketing agency Counterweight Creative and creator of Podcast Marketing Academy, a high-intensity cohort-based course for creative mavericks looking to grow a raving fan base of brand evangelists. He spent the past five years traveling full-time and once cycled across Europe, and will always look back on the day he finally saved up enough money to buy the Millennium Falcon Lego set
1: as one of his proudest achievements.
0: Hello and welcome, Jeremy. I'm so glad you're joining us today. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Victoria.
0: So as we were having a chat before, so I believe that you're coming to us from Canada today.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, It's just getting cold um, as we're recording here the last week of October. We had a pretty nice fall, but uh, I've been out. I'm a big walker I like have all my ideas walking so I go for at least like two or three walks a day and it's starting to get like I'm needing to bundle up for them so it's uh it's getting uh, I still enjoy them but it's a little less enjoyable than it was like three weeks ago
0: sure. what kind of temperatures because um I bet your cold is different from our cold in the UK
1: yeah so it's um right now this week it's been just below freezing um, overnight, but it's still been okay. Like today was like, I think 11 degrees, uh, yesterday was seven. I think it's supposed to be down in single digits next week though. So, and then it'll be probably I'm here in Winnipeg for a month or so. And I'm sure by the end, it'll be minus 10, 15, something like that in the days.
0: Minus 10. I can't imagine that. I think I went to New York a few years ago, and it was minus four, and I remember thinking that was freezing. I don't know that I've been anywhere colder than that. That sounds really cold. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) and it, yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to be out of here uh, by the end of November because here, like in Winnipeg, I think it's one of the coldest cities, or maybe the coldest city in Canada, where it gets like the most minus thirty days per year, um, (laughs) usually. Which I I don't quite know. I haven't lived here on the on the prairies in Canada for a while, but uh, it there may be fewer of those now with global warming than there used to be. But um, yeah, I remember some cold winters growing up.
0: You've done quite a lot of traveling, haven't you? I believe. Have you been back in Canada a long time? Are you from Canada originally?
1: Yeah, so I'm from Canada. I grew up right in the middle, um, not where I am now, but not too far away. And uh, in 20... 15, 2016, I took a year off to go traveling in actually 2014 to 2015. And I saved up for, you know, two, three years and took this year off, went traveling with a friend of mine to Europe and then Southeast Asia. And kind of in that span, I realized, how I want to do this all the time. How can I do that? And so that's kind of what led me to podcasting and online business. And now it's been five years of, of traveling full time. And uh, I'm, yeah, just back for, for three months or so, uh, visit friends and family. We actually got um, my, my partner and I got stuck in Europe through all of COVID. So uh, we were actually in the UK in uh, in Edinburgh for six months of that. And uh, then we hopped around Europe wherever we could get in uh, because she's American. And so I couldn't get in the States. She couldn't get into Canada. So we were kind of like, well, we'll just stay somewhere where we can both be until this blows over.
0: That's really good that you can work from wherever as well. Is that ever challenging? Yeah. Is it pretty easy? Do you have to sort of work out where there's Wi-Fi ahead of travel?
1: Yeah, usually... Usually it's good. In some places, we definitely get co-working spaces just because we know the Wi-Fi will be reliable there when it's not at home. But with the pandemic, we've really tried to obviously, you know, have a place that is workable at home. And there've been some instances where the Wi-Fi is not great, but it's funny. We've actually had worse Wi-Fi experiences often in the US and Canada than overseas, which is kind of strange. Like we had great Wi-Fi in South America at our homes and, uh, everywhere in Europe. And oftentimes it's like coming back and staying at an Airbnb in, in Canada or the U S and it's just terrible. So, uh, yeah, I don't think we, uh, if we had any bias to think that elsewhere was slower, we're, we're it's now been flipped and we're like, actually, it's probably better almost anywhere else.
0: So you mentioned that part of traveling was how you got into podcasting. Can you tell us a bit more about that journey?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I moved out to Vancouver on the West coast of Canada in 2011 to uh, study audio engineering and record production. So I wanted to, to work in music and uh, record albums uh, in studios. And so did that, uh, finished my school there and did some freelance work. Did, I was an intern at a big studio in town. And over the course of that, it was an unpaid internship and became clear that I wasn't going to, I didn't have the bandwidth, the time uh, bandwidth to be able to actually dedicate enough time to that position to move up in the ranks. Like where people who were moving up into paid positions, who were there literally seven days a week and kind of how studios work is you show up at eight or nine in the morning, you're like the first one in and then you're the last one out whenever all the sessions wrap up for the day. And a lot of times that's like three or four in the morning. And so I, I was like one day a week, just like, you know, left me just entirely dead. And so I could not, obviously I need to have a full-time job too. So there's just no way that I could be there more than one or maybe two days a week. And so I was kind of like, okay, this is not going to help me progress in my career. I I learned a lot of things there, but it wasn't worth the time. So I I did some freelance work and I uh, just started working uh, landscaping Uh, job doing manual labor. And that's when I discovered podcasts at that job. And so I I listened to podcasts all day, every day at work and kind of became aware of the world of online business. Uh, And somewhere in there, that's when I I took my year off to go traveling. And so uh, after that, I I had basically given myself this whole education through podcasting on entrepreneurship and uh, the beginnings of of marketing and things like that. And so I started experimenting with things. And first, I tried to start a photography business. I, I had also been into photography for a while. And so I was blogging about that and had thoughts about creating courses and, and all that kind of stuff that uh, an online business would do. And somewhere along there, I realized, actually, you know, it's probably a way faster path to being location independent to start a service business. And I realized, you know, th- there was like the thunderbolt uh, bolt moment where Uh, it was you know struck by lightning I realized oh I'm listening to podcasts all day I know a ton about podcasts I know a ton about um, audio engineering and so this is a really easy um, kind of way to transition into that and I think I got my first client within three days of of kind of realizing that this was an option and within six months had enough clients to quit my job and, and was off traveling
0: wow that's amazing that's so quick
1: yeah it really was
0: so the first time I came across you is I heard you um, being interviewed by Teresa Heath-Waring on Marketing That Converts. And um, I know Teresa was really blown away by how you pitched her. She said you actually made it impossible for her to say no. So I wondered if you could tell us a bit about your approach.
1: I guess the the first thing for, for podcast guesting, I mean, almost any type of pitching, I think is getting clear on your own goals for it. And so... You know, looking at what, sh- uh, uh, this is something that I've heard a lot of people do wrong. And is so we should probably start there with the initial thing. I-, I talked to somebody a month or so ago who he had guested on 70 shows and had it had had zero impact on his own podcast. He was looking to go on other shows in order to increase downloads. And I think he said, actually, there was one show that led, led to a big increase and nothing other than that. And I was kind of asking him about this and said, oh, like what kinds of shows were these? And he kind of sheepishly said like, yeah, well, you know, I was basically just saying yes to any show possible. I pitched like they had no relevance. And, you know, I know that's not okay. great, but i, I no it was kind of the like, wow, you know, I know that that's a bad approach to it and an ineffective approach. But to hear him say, I guessed it on 70 shows and only one of those had any impact. That's like the data there. It's like, yeah, OK, th- that's like he-, he has done this and proven that this doesn't work. So I think that's the first thing is like, think about, you know, who are you trying to get in front of? What whether that's related to content you're creating, you want to grow your podcast, your newsletter, your blog, whatever it is, or you have products or services to sell, like who are those people? And usually, I start out by thinking about um, what I call complementary or adjacent audiences. So it would be really easy for me as a you know podcast educator uh, and service provider to say like, okay, well I want to get on shows that address podcasters specifically, and that can work. But usually there's not that many of those shows and people can often be fairly protective of their audiences. And because a lot of times you have the same products, the same services. So they're kind of like, why would I let you come on here and sell your services when I'm trying to get people to buy my services? And we could get into a whole thing about, you know, competition versus collaboration, which um, I think there's a lot more to be gained by everyone about with collaborating. But there's just are just so many other ways to look at it just than this like okay this person has my audience so i'm going to pitch them i think there's other these kind of collaborative um or complementary or adjacent audiences that i was mentioning where Maybe not everybody who listens to that show is going to be into your thing, but maybe 50% of them will. And you're actually going to be a real like value add to that person, to the host, to the audience. And they might have never actually heard somebody talk about what you're talking about before in that way. And so I think those are the ones where it opens up a lot of doors if you approach it that way. And so I start with a list that I say, okay, this is, here's my audience. I know who my audience is what else are they interested in and where can I kind of go outside of my niche to find people who I can maybe bring into it? So I think that's really the first step there.
0: Yeah. I totally agree with you. It's finding that overlap, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And, So I I think from there, uh, Teresa was on, you know, she has a a show about marketing and I know people and well, she has a lot of people who are outside online businesses too, but a lot of people who are, and I think there's a a ton of curiosity in, I I think almost all online business owners, at least the thought has crossed their head. Like maybe I should start a podcast. Like it's, it is very hot right now. And it's kind of been exploding continuously for five years now. And so I know that a show about Online marketing, there are going to be a lot of people who are interested in podcasting in some way. And for me specifically, like my, what I talk about is more growing an existing show rather than starting a new one. Um, I can definitely speak to that, but I think there's just way fewer people who understand anything about marketing when it comes to podcasting. And so I'm thinking, okay. Yeah. Shows about online marketing. Probably a lot of people already have shows and are stuck. I know from talking to dozens and dozens of podcasters that a lot of people get a year in and they're kind of like, it hit this plateau and it's like, well, what do I, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to grow this? I thought it was just going to grow organically. And so I, I came across Teresa's show. I listened to a couple of episodes and I realized that, you know, we would get on really well, which, which we did. And so I would say that that's a, a thing I I have done this. Everybody has done this. You want to skip over listening to the show. You just want to write a pitch and without ever listening to to getting the vibe of the person. And that's another way that you can send hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pitches like that, and will get very minimal results. And you might get on a few shows here and there, but they're probably not the shows that are going to have a big impact for you. So I would say like at least listen to one episode. And usually one of the things that I like to do is like I'll say, listen to one episode, but listen until you find something you can connect with that host about. And you're gonna work that into your pitch. And so if that takes three episodes for you to find something, listen to three episodes. If it takes like 15 minutes in the first episode and you find this thing that you have the super alignment, you probably want to still listen through, but you found that thing that you can build your pitch around and kind of form this point of connection. And, you know, if you, if you've gone through three episodes, four or five episodes, and you haven't found any point of connection, that's when I kind of say, maybe that's just not a good fit. You, you haven't found anything you connected on after listening to all this audio with them. You're probably just not a, a, a good fit for each other and for the show. So it's maybe just move on to the next one. So uh, I, I would say that's kind of the, the second step there. And then um, when it comes to the pitch, um, it, it's really building it around that thing, making sure you establish connection with the other human being on the other end of it. And really being uh, going in with a mindset of saying like, what is in this for their audience and for them, not for myself, like they, everybody here knows you and they know that there is something in it for you. And you know sometimes, depending on what it is, like, I might even put that in a pitch and say, like, you know, I'm looking to connect with this type of person as a kind of transparent approach, which, you know, we're all on the same page already, but sometimes I find that the more transparency you bring to it, uh, the more, the better the response people are, are likely to give you. So, um, that was kind of like my, my standard approach for pitches. And then I think what, what Teresa went kind of, uh, she, what she really loved was I also include a bunch of I don't know that I'd call them easter eggs necessarily but it's not it's it's about not trying to cram everything into the pitch email which you want to be shorter like you know three maybe probably like three paragraphs I've seen a lot of pitches that are like a single sentence that do really well especially to really busy like it, and it has to be a great sentence and it has to be very personalized to that person but it's not about length I always have like a video that I so I made a video like a two version two minute version of my life um where I basically talk through my whole life to Now at this point, it's a a year old or so to that point. And so I say like, you know, if you want to get to know more about me, click this link, they can see a a quick version of who I am, get a sense for how I am on the mic and on camera. And then I also have a separate like podcast guest page where I give a a lot more information about like example titles, things I can talk about, questions you can ask me, here's my headshots, here's my bio, all that kind of stuff that people are, podcast hosts are going to want to get. I've already kind of compiled it for them. And so I think this, for, for one, it's just useful information, but I think the more important thing it communicates that i take it seriously and that i'm already doing the work for them beforehand of like i know you're going to need all this stuff so here it is and uh and i think that that's as anyone who is a podcast host themselves has experienced there are always guests where it's like pulling teeth to get all of this information out of them and it just makes the process not fun and so i think like one of the things that i really want to do is get across that i'm going to be someone that the host is going to have fun with on the conversation because i think that comes through to, to the audience
0: I think it definitely does. I think anything you can do to make their jobs easier, like you did, you know, I think it's also worth bearing in mind that the amount of pictures that hosts get, isn't it? And so that really does help you stand out, not just what's in it for you, but kind of value their show, the work they've put into building their audience in your your giving. So I think that's that's huge.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So you help people market their podcasts. What are the best tips you would give to someone who wanted to market their podcast?
1: The big one is making sure that you have something that is actually like a compelling show in the first place. And so I think whether it's a product, a podcast, service, a business, anything that is, is not inherently compelling, that when people hear about it, they're like, oh, th- that's interesting. And I want to learn more. You're going to have a really hard time marketing that. A-, a good product will market itself and a good podcast will market itself. A mediocre podcast, you're going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting. And it might not even be possible to, to grow the audience to the size you want. Maybe you could if you had you know, an advertising budget, something like that. But you would need a huge advertising budget to lift a mediocre product up to the point where it's getting traction. And part of the problem with a mediocre product is that once you get people in, they're not sticking around. And so this is, I think, the thing where we have to have some kind of self-awareness and look at everything else that is out there and say like, okay, is my show worth someone's time more than... Anything that's available on Netflix, any other podcast that's available, you know, and any like book on Kindle or e- all this stuff. We have so much content that we can get everywhere, and that's that's really what we're competing against. It's not just the other podcasts in our niche; it's all the content that is being uh, people are being bombarded with all day, every day. And so, I think it's not like we have to be the best podcast in the world, I think it's much more important about getting really specific about, okay, who is the person that I can create the very best possible show in the world for? Not the best podcast, just the best one for that person. And so it is really targeted to who they are, uh, both in terms of their pain points and struggles, as well as their personalities, their worldview. And that's something that I think is actually accessible for, for most people. But I think that's where it really starts. And a lot of times, the reason it's compelling is because it's so specific to that person. It's like it was actually made for them in their circumstances. And, and that's going to be the very best option for them. So I think that all, all marketing really starts with that. And if you have that, it's going to be much easier. You don't really have to do a lot of marketing in the same way as if you have you know another show that is interviewing uh, successful athletes and business owners and you know getting their tips to success, which there are Surely, thousands of these shows in existence. And so, what is going to differentiate yours from any of those? Um, so, yeah, that, that's where I would say it starts.
0: Not being another Me Too show, and I suppose talking to the right people, not trying to talk to everybody. Yeah. That's great advice.
1: Yeah. And I, that's like, you know, we've all heard that. We've all heard that a million times. And I think there's when you actually double down on it and find your people, and you start to see kind of the flywheel starts turning because you realize. Like it just clicks into place. It's, it's one of those things where you, you almost like don't learn the lesson until you do the wrong thing for a ton, a long time. And then you like finally just pure exasperation. You're like, okay, well, I'll just (laughs) pick this, this niche or whatever. And all of a sudden it starts to work within, you know, a few weeks or a few months and you start seeing some momentum and you're like, oh, this is why people say to do that.
0: Absolutely. I was reading your blog on the counter-creative site about podcasting, marketing, growth and monetization. Oh my gosh, I can't say it. Monetization. (laughs) And you've got some really great tips for people starting out. So is writing something you've always enjoyed?
1: Yeah, it's something I've done off and on for Five years, and so I mentioned before with the photography blog that I started. I actually wrote two articles a week when I was first starting that, and so I probably did—I I don't know, maybe fifty, probably fifty to sixty posts on on that site. And then I did some personal blogging on my own site. Then I got into podcast blogging at one point, and I think I did like thirty or fifty posts, and then kind of felt like I'd just run out of stuff to say, and uh, and took a break from it. And then more recently, I, I came back to it. Uh, I think that that first stint of podcast writing was in 2017. And then I think in 2019, I did another batch of it. And then at the start of 2020, I started doing a a daily writing habit. So I would publish an article every single day. And so I I kept up the daily publishing for maybe six or seven months, and then I switched it to weekly for my newsletter. And uh, so my newsletter is my primary kind of form of, of content creation, but it's also the like driver of all my ideas is like it's really because of the newsletter and because of writing Uh, my experience. And I know a lot of people have this experience with writing is that writing just forces you to clarify your thinking where you you sit down and you have all this jumble of thoughts in your head and you kind of like know you have something to say, but you don't know how to articulate it. And then somebody asks you a question about it, maybe on a podcast interview or something like that. And you kind of like muddle your way through, but it's not coherent. And so I think that for me, writing has just made me, this made me a better podcast guest, a better podcast host, a better speaker, a better on sales calls, basically anything that involves communicating an idea to people, which is almost everything we do all day, every day, writing has made that better and easier and less stressful and more natural. So uh, I, I think especially for people as looking to be podcast guests, like writing out your thoughts, even if you're saying like, "Okay, hey, these are the three topics I want to pitch myself to, to potentially talk about on podcasts, write out at least a handful of blog posts on each of those. And they can be short. They don't need to be a thousand word, but like a 500 word blog post on each of them. And that is going to make you uh, come across so much better when you're actually on an interview, because you already know what you think, you know how to say it in a way that flows one thing into the next. And that really comes through.
0: I agree with you. Writing is gets it into your head in a way doesn't it? that you can remember somehow when you've written it. Yeah. What tips do you have for creating great audio for someone who's going to be on a podcast or set up their own?
1: I think like a lot of people get overwhelmed by the, the tech side of things. And I think that's a mistake. It's not necessarily that you have a choice of what, what you're going to be overwhelmed by, but it's actually pretty easy. And so I think one of the One of the problems, one of the reasons it gets overwhelming is because of the choice that's out there. To be honest, like I... I don't think it's, it's worth stressing about that much. You're not going to make the wrong choice with the mic you buy. If you look at like a list of, you know, best podcast mics or something like that, any one of those is probably going to be great. And you can always upgrade later. None of them is going to ruin you. All of them are going to be better than your MacBook or your headphone mic or whatever it is. Like it's good. Everything's going to be a step up there. And so there's some really great mics that are, you know, under a hundred dollars, even definitely certainly under like two to $300. Those are going to be great options. And it's just something like make a decision and move on because you don't really need to worry about it that much. That that would be my first bit of advice around getting great sound and great quality audio from your podcast, like make a decision and learn to work with it. I think the bigger thing that is going to to make a difference on sound is your environment. So this is something that like if you are in a room that is a square box with concrete walls or glass walls or hard surfaces of any kind, really, that is going to be problematic. There's going to be a lot of echo and you might not necessarily hear it when you're just recording, but one of the things in post-production is the audio all gets brought up louder. It should be at least uh, most podcasts you listen to should be at a very similar level, but that level is much louder than when you just record your mic into your computer. And so you might listen, and you're like, oh, I don't really hear that much echo. But then when it all gets brought up, all of a sudden there's this reverb that's going on in the background. And that can be a really annoying experience for a listener to listen to that. So if you can, it won't, won't, the easiest way to do this, a lot of people like record in their closets or there's an old trick like under bed covers, things like that. What what I'll often do, I don't have it set up right now, is take like couch cushions and just build a a box around myself, like a little cave around my computer and my mic. And then I'll just be like sitting in this little cave and uh, it's, it's just in front of me, but that will cut out pretty much all the echo that's going to be happening there. So yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're choosing your environment to record in, like think about lots of soft stuff in the room, um, couches, furniture, carpets, all that kind of stuff is is going to make a big difference. And I I would say like with those two things in mind, like, you know, buy spend a hundred pounds on a, a mic and, you know, just be mindful of where you're recording and your sound's going to be pretty great. Uh, I think the last thing is most mics work a lot better if you are close to the mic. So like, for example, here, I'm talking right up on the mic and it probably sounds more rich and deep and full. Whereas if I start to like back away from the mic, now we're going to get more like room tone and more echo and it's not going to be quite as good. So just, you know, buy a decent mic, sit close to it, have your, your mouth right up against it and in a good space and you'll be good.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. I, I'm loving this. I'm thinking about building a den now. Yeah. (laughs) License to get all your cushions. (laughs) Um, So you mentioned that while you were traveling, you listened to a lot of podcasts. Do you have a favorite podcast that you still listen to?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I have really cut down for someone who works in podcasting. I listen to almost no podcasts uh, anymore. Like I don't even edit that many shows anymore. Or usually when I do, it's not like the main edit, but uh, like I have a team, so they're doing most editing for our clients. And so it's just But uh, I think it's more of a just being very selective about the content I'm allowing in and leaving a lot more space. I feel like it's really easy as creators to crowd out all the room for your ideas by just constantly taking in other people's. And so I kind of like to keep a lot of space to allow Stuff to come to me, kind of. So really, the there's only there's two that I listen to regularly, and so the the first is On Being uh, with Krista Tippett, and then the second one is Seth Godin's Akimbo podcast. And there's a couple others just doing uh, some driving uh, road trip recently, and so I will listen to Ninety Nine Percent Invisible, which is a show kind of about the. all all the elements of of our world that are designed, but that you take for granted that somebody's actually thought about designing them and the impact that this has on our life. Uh, And then LeVar Burton reads is another one, which is like a a short fiction um, short story podcast. So yeah, I don't really listen to a lot of business content. I don't read a lot of business content or marketing stuff at this point. It's more like stuff that I know is going to fuel my own creativity and uh, is more grounding. Maybe.
0: Great recommendations. I have a couple of those I haven't listened to. So podcast listeners are often readers as well. What are some of your favorite books?
1: Let's see. I mean, so I'm a huge Seth Godin fan. Um, So I already mentioned his podcast and I've probably read at least a dozen of his books. I don't know how many, he probably has like 20 or 30 books that he's written. Um, And I would recommend every book I've ever read of his, I would say from a marketing perspective, his uh, one of his newer ones, this is marketing is great. Um, And from a creative uh, kind of standpoint, the practice, which came out last year or early this year, uh, is just like such a great book. I think, I feel like it's kind of up there with, uh, the war of art for anyone who's, who's read that from Stephen Pressfield, which would be another one of mine that, uh, feels like just a book to keep coming back to again and again and again for inspiration and motivation to kind of like keep producing work and, and doing, doing things the right way. Um, so I, I would say that those would be some, some big ones. Um, I know for me, the the book that ignited the whole kind of travel, uh, the fantasy of traveling was into the wild. And then also uh, the alchemist was another one that I, I feel like I got at the right time, which I know a lot of people have had that experience. Just, you know, it's a, it's a classic for a reason. So I would say those would be some of the ones. And then it, like, like I said, like recently I've been reading um, like a lot of non-business books and I get all my like creative inspiration for like marketing stuff from, Books that have nothing to do with with anything. And so I've been reading a lot of uh, a guy named Robert McFarlane. Oh yes. And so I think he's a professor at Cambridge. And he yes, he writes all about essentially the natural world. And so the first book of his that I read is called Underland. And that was one of the best. Books I've ever read, and it's all about like the world beneath our feet, essentially. So he goes uh, explores the the catacombs and the underground city of Paris, and caves, and uh, nuclear storage facilities, and um, dark matter labs that are a mile beneath uh, you know the coast of England. And it was just such a fascinating read. And now I'm reading another one of his, but it's um, one of the things that I have found for myself recently. I, I I've been writing my newsletter for. A year and a half now, and I still don't quite know what it is or how to talk about it. It feels like a very exploratory kind of content. It's not a strategic where I like, no, I want this result, so I'm going to create this content for this audience. It's kind of like the things that I'm thinking about and exploring. And in this process of trying to figure out how to talk about it, there have been a bunch of little moments of clarity. And one of the things that I realized was I'll, I didn't even realize I was doing less, this, but most of my newsletter, or very much of it, has a lot of metaphors related to hiking and trekking and traveling and journeying and all this kind of stuff like that's my go-to analogies have relate back to that kind of thing which I, I really enjoy and so I think that's one of the reasons why Robert McFarlane has so spoken to me is that I and I've started leaning into this I'm like oh my work is I can think about the creative pro- how I think about the creative process is analogous to going on an expedition or a journey. So there's a ton of literature out there and, and adventure stories and all this kind of stuff that is in that genre. And so if I consume that, that is going to come out in my work very clearly, and it's going to provide me with new ways to think about it. And so as once I became aware of that, I was like, Oh, this is like, this is what I love to read. I love these stories. I love learning about these people. And this is also really the source of all my my kind of inspiration in a lot of ways. So it's uh, once I discovered that I was like, Yeah, I don't need more tactical business books. I need more like things that make me think and spark ideas.
0: Oh, I love that. Well, thank you ever so much for your time today. It's been really interesting to talk to you. I'll link up to everything in the show notes. But could you tell the listeners where they can go to learn more about you?
1: Yeah. So uh, you can just go to counterweightcreative.co slash best guest, and I'll have a page set up there that uh, you can find all the information about me. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at I am Jeremy Enns, and uh, that would probably be the, the easiest place to connect with me. But uh, yeah, you can go to that, uh, that webpage counterweightcreative.co slash best guest, and I'll have all the, the ways to connect with me and uh, some free resources and things like that related to podcasting there.
0: Oh, thank you ever so much, Jeremy. It's great to have you here today.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for for having me, Victoria.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the best guest podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.